Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, guys, and welcome to the Dream Bigger podcast. If you're new here, I'm Sif, and I'm the founder of Array. On today's episode, I'm joined by Alexandra Roxo, a best-selling author, speaker, and thought leader who specializes in spirituality and sex. Alexandra recently released her book, Fuck Like a Goddess, which is a radical guidebook for modern spirituality outside the mainstream and a woke approach to sex and love. Alexandra and I chat about bridging the worlds of sex and spirituality since they're typically seen as different and almost at odds. I hope you guys find this conversation as interesting as I did. So let's welcome Alexandra to the show. Okay, so the first question I want to ask you is about your background. Like, how did you come to be Alexandra Roxo? Oh dear. Well, it all started one night in Miami, Florida, um, <laughs> back in 1983, because I was born March 84. So I suppose I was conceived what, March six months. Oh, about June, June of 83. So yeah, that's when um, I, I'd be... I, Magic happened? I, yeah, when I started my gestation phase. Um <laughs> But man, that's a great big question, and um, I don't know. Like I, 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 I look at things in terms of like the soul's journey. Not everybody resonates with the word soul, but I really actually like it, and I kind of come around to it again recently. Um, my mother grew me up with the word soul, and I grew up in Georgia, mm-hmm. in the south of the United States, in a real Christian area. So like. I don't know, soul had all these different meanings, you know, like soul music, soul mate, anyway. But in my soul's journey, I popped into this planet Earth, this reality, um, to a Brazilian flight attendant dad. And my mom was a flight attendant at the time, too, for Pan Am. And she had just mm-hmm. graduated college and then taken some time to travel. And so, and then, um, you know, she became a teacher later and stuff. But somehow, even though I, did, I I came into both of their lives, so they're very practical and they're not writers and they're not poets and they're not artists and they're not healers. And, but somehow, like, when I showed up as a kid, I, like, I think I had this, this part of my soul that wanted to express itself really quickly. So when I was young, I, I wanted to be, I wanted to act and I wanted to dance and I was a ballerina and I, wanted to audition for the diary of Anne Frank and um, 
even though I looked very not Jewish, but I didn't know. No one told me. And um, and I put on my little Anne Frank outfit, and I, I remember reading Anne Frank's words about believing that everybody is actually good at their core. And, like, mm-hmm. I just remember I didn't understand what the Holocaust was, but I understood something in her words, and I remember being in, in like, seven or eight maybe at the time. And so, anyway, I tell that story because... I think that we can categorize our lives in terms of like who we are, who we become based on our job, which is the very Western world thing to do. Or we can really consider who we are like at our core and what what qualities and what um, passions show up for us mm-hmm. in our youth and our childhood and then how they evolve as we get older. So for me, it's been a passion for for uh, expression and art and understanding humanity and why the heck we have wars and why are we hurting each other? Why have women's bodies been um, so heavily abused and why have children's bodies been so abused? And why is there such great music and dancing? And why is love making so wonderful? And like just understanding humanity and it's um, brightness and it's uh, darkness. And I think that, you know, that's truly that this the soul of a writer or an artist is in that kind of space of contemplation, expression, and inquiry, and then kind of digesting reality and then spitting it back out through their particular um, lens or gaze. So that I I came into the world with that piece and then I was conditioned by my traumas and my scars then you know also contributed to who I am and where I grew up in the south with with the really kind of Protestant Christian south and then my father being Brazilian and I grew up partially in Brazil and so then all of those kind of circumstances then kind of create different other colors on the canvas you know Mm -hmm. of creating a, a, a life Wow. Um, Lots to unpack here. And like, I have like a lot of follow up questions, but you say you grew up in the South and obviously like, you know, there's deep religious roots there and you um, specialize in like healing and sex and spirituality. So I feel like there's such a complex history with religion where sex is seen as this dirty thing, um, especially the idea of a woman who's in touch with her own sexuality. Like, how how did you get to a place where you were sort of able to bridge the gap between sex and spirituality? Well, that has been a big part of my life's journey and work. And, you know, I think we can really look at that certain religions really vilified the body as dirty. Mm-hmm. So, like, pooping or sex and kind of like they were like the part of us that's the animal right our animal self needs to eat needs to poop and needs to have sex and um bleeds right the women's body bleeds we can't make it stop it just happens every month and so i think that in religions it was like the animal part of us is so far from the god part of us in the way that a lot of religions put it you know it's like Mm -hmm. Um, those are our kind of like more animalistic tendencies. 
um, or so we were taught, or, or so a lot of the, the beliefs are, you know, you can see it in like, you know, certain parts of Orthodox Judaism or Islam or, you know, Christianity and like how they deal with women who are bleeding, how they deal with women's bodies and um, what's allowed to be shown or not shown. And um, so it was very clear to me at a certain time that I didn't feel that, that didn't feel right to me. Um, Mm -hmm. It didn't feel right to me that, that, uh, women couldn't dance and sing and that women's genitals were getting snipped and that they were getting covered up with sheets because they would maybe tempt a man with their looks and all of that just felt very strange didn't mm-hmm. make sense to me um, it didn't make sense to me you know that women were getting killed in honor killings because they maybe looked at another man and then stoned to death and I started learning about just what was happening what's going down on planet earth when I was pretty young I was curious this is pre-internet though so it was through you know um, newspapers magazines books tv movies so I went to blockbuster video store a lot um but but that divide between, I would say, first our body and our soul, like the idea that they're not working in tandem as a beautiful unit really broke my heart, you know, that like humanity had to pit ourselves against our body and go, pooping is gross. Let's put it in a tiny room mm-hmm. in a white porcelain toilet and let's spray something pretend. and like sex like let's put it under a sheet let's close the door let's turn on the lights and let's never talk about it during the daytime you know (laughs) and um i mean if you think about it it's like we literally put our animal self into shadow and then from like a you know a union psychology perspective which i'm not i'm not a specialist but if you, if you want to do a little Googling around about what is the shadow in our psyche, in our internal space, and what what constitutes a shadow, our unconscious mind, the part of our mind that we can't really, we don't really know what's going on in there, right? So if you're new to that concept, then Google around a little. It's really wonderful and fascinating. But the parts of us as humans that we've cast into shadow, like say, like, close the door. Mm-hmm. don't make weird noise like that's then literally actually put in the shadow it's put in the dark right so if you think about that as like a real literal metaphor then it's put into shadow for the whole world billions of people right like maybe only a percentage feel sort of shamed about sex but it's a it's a lot of people on the planet and we know that those shadows exist because the numbers in the porn industry and the numbers in sex trafficking the numbers in assault so we know we have actual statistics and data that show that something is off on the planet in mm-hmm. terms of a balanced wellness or wholeness around our sexuality for instance and, you know, we would know that as a global community of many different types of humans that 
sexually we were healthy because there wouldn't be child sex slaves and there wouldn't be you know a multi-billion dollar porn industry where you can see everything that you're terrified to really talk about or see so i started noticing this imbalance when i was quite young mm-hmm. um and it pissed me off it really I, I was mad i was really mad mainly because i felt like women were really getting the short end of the stick i mean mm-hmm. now i see that men have also been molested abused um you know they uh, circumcised you know unwillingly mutilated um so i now see that it's not just women who have been uh carrying that this kind of heavy pain of the, the sexual shadow of humanity but it's everybody and um so i sought out for as a young as a young woman i was like uh-uh, i don't believe that god would create us with this flaw that we like to, to make love and we like to fuck. I believe that this is actually perfect. Now, where it gets sticky is if we do it from pain and shame and guilt, and then it creates more problems, right? So I'm not advocating for everybody to just go make love with whatever, whoever, whenever, but um, but to remove and to, to investigate the stigmas and the shame and the guilt that we carry as a global community, we have a long way to go. So that divide between sex and spirit and body and God, like I started really feeling that pain when I was quite young, you know. And what was like, do you remember like when you first kind of made moves towards I guess, this being your career path? Um, Well, more than anything, I'm a writer and an artist, and I also mentor and coach women in these areas. And um, I've I've focused more on healing in the last two years since I did my last commercial directing job as a director. Um, And... Then I've just been in the writing space and healing. So the last two years I've been writing my book and healing myself and working with other women in that space. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've always been on the path of investigating this. Like my first, my first like performance art piece when I was 18 was just like about women's bodies and injustice towards women and my first play was about women in religion when I was 19 that I wrote so um I've been on the same path of inquiry but it has manifested in different mediums does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely it does um a lot of your work is to do with divine feminine energy and i want to talk about that for a second because i think for a lot of women women especially because of the kind of fast paced like get shit done world we live in masculine energy is the one that's celebrated and we mm-hmm. like kind of shun our feminine energy aside mm. yeah so Sorry, how dog is barking <laughs> is, it, is it too loud or it's okay No, no, I can't even hear him. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So just, you know, with this, like this concept of the divine feminine energy, um, 
like how do you advise that women sort of reclaim that well you know if you think about it so we've been indoctrinated into the belief that you know many of us i'll say not we but many of us that god is is this masculine entity the word god is is um inherently sort of genderized towards towards male um and so you know if we could remove all gender from like this concept of source that something created us something created the dinosaurs something makes the sun rise and set this we have no clue it's kind of bizarre we really don't know why we're here and where we're going and after and so the concept of god is like really beautiful because it implies this sort of like protector uh, source energy that exists in the sky or in the cosmos or whatever but for some reason, we haven't balanced that with like the mother, the protective mother. So like God, the father has been really gotten a lot of play on planet Earth. You know, like God, the father has has been in all the Bible. The Bible's widespread around the Earth, you know, and in most of religions, there's a heavy father vibe, you know. Right. A mother, mother really doesn't get a lot of play. And it's like. You know, um, in let's say, uh, in Protestant Christianity, mother don't don't get nothing. Mother mm-hmm. Mary gets no play in the Bible in the Protestant. You know, she gets a, a mention. You know, <laughs> but like, but in you know in Catholicism, Mother Mary, especially Latin Catholicism and Mexican Catholicism, like Mary gets play. Mary gets honored. The mother is honored the concept of mother is honored. And if you can look even at those cultures, let's say like Latin culture, my father's from Brazil, there is a sense of the matriarchs of the family, the grandmas, the aunties gathering. There's a real specific, um, not that it's a matriarchal kind of culture at all. No, but there is this honoring of the grandmother, mother. And being, I grew up in America, the United States, like, we don't have these concepts of honoring great mother, whether it's mother earth, right? Mm -hmm. The indigenous people to the land that I am occupying and living on many of those tribes that, that lived in this area that I am in California and the West, uh, had a real reverence for mother earth, for mother, like that they're here because she invited you like, I didn't sign up to come to planet earth, <laughs> you know, and, um, and the honoring of mother, right. Through, whether it's through the earth, whether it's through our own bodies, whether it's through some sort of a numinous mystical texture that speaks to us in dreams or meditations or psychedelics. Like, uh, we, I believe as a greater Western Western world have lost touch with that. And since, since the, the father has gotten so much play, I really think we need to bring the mother back. And it's like, and, and bring back all concepts, like the fierce mother who will fucking 
protect her kids at all costs, you know, mm-hmm. like um, the feminine who is like so wise, the wise old hag, grandma, crone, crone, you know, like all aspects of feminine, not some whitewash slash soft pink feminine, divine feminine. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm talking about talking about the feminine who like bleeds on the earth and knows how to birth a baby and you know mother nature is is full of disgusting like wild experiences if you ever watch you know the discovery channel on mm-hmm. netflix documentaries your mind will get blown because it's not pretty all the time it's savage and it's intense and it's wild so that element of ourselves has been cast into shadow as we sit in small boxes and stare at screens and all of that, and especially with the feminine. But the men also are going through, like, and everyone in between and everyone who doesn't fit in those binaries as well. But so I think divine feminine kind of, like, had it. For me, like, uh, it had its moment in a sense. People need to get more specific about it. And that's why I'm going into a bit more specificity here. Mm-hmm. Um, it can't be just this sort of kind of like, you know, neo-spiritual, conscious, like, um, kind of euphemism for, like, softening and surrendering, right? That's not what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking mm-hmm. about a greater rebalancing of the energies that we honor on this planet and the aspects of uh, nature and self and soul and psyche that we honor. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it does. Mm, what, what do you feel like, what are a couple of like, do you have any like tangible tips, for example, for women so that they get in touch with that softer side? Well, but let's just be specific because, you know, if people want to get in touch with their softer side, that doesn't necessarily mean their feminine side. And I want to get specific about that because it's one aspect of the feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one aspect that I think the Western modern woman who has gone too far in the direction of control and goals and rigidity and structure craves. Mm-hmm. right? She craves it. We crave it. That's not necessarily a divine, doesn't have to be a divine quality. It's a human quality, right? Mm-hmm. We all, mm-hmm. we can we can be soft and tender and slow and sweet. That's not, a, that doesn't have to be a God quality. We can just have that in the here and now as a human, right? Yeah. So, you know, if we are overdeveloped as humans in one area, right? Like get too much, get shit done, too much soul cycle, too much coffee, too much fast paced living. Then our humanness wants to go, oh, but I want to go slow. And I want to, I want to take four hours and make this dinner. And I want to just listen to the rain. I always tell women that I work with, like, to, to look at the cultures on this planet, right? We can't look at a divine feminine culture. We can't get a microscope into what the goddesses are doing over on planet ZBD over there. You know, right. we don't know what they're doing. Um, we can hear myths and stories about them, which is so beautiful. And we can look at humanity. We can look. I love looking at Italian women watching movies, women who 
you know, they're not all the same. Uh, there's a particular archetype of Italian women who, or Latin, my the women in my family in Brazil, and how they, they got dressed slowly. And they knew they were going out to a dinner. Maybe they, on a Saturday night, they took the whole day to prepare. And, you know, it doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, but they, they made that work for them. And, you know, or they took five hours to cook. Um, and this is human nature. This is elements of our feminine humanity that we've lost not our feminine divinity does that does that answer that for you yeah for sure and in your mind like what like we talk about feminine humanity and like what would you classify more as like feminine divinity Hmm. so the exalted qualities so the qualities that are not human and that are exalted, right? Unconditional love. We see that like in the Bible, the story of Mother Mary, that she has unconditional love or the story of Mary Magdalene, right? That mm-hmm. she's, that they, 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 their humanness at a certain point in the story transcends and something breaks open and they hit a level of, this could be compassion, right? You can read a story where Buddha fed his body to a hungry tiger you know buddha fed his body to a tiger um in one of the ways that he died in incarnation right that's a superhuman quality i would never do that (laughs) (laughs) that's like he transcended his humanness and he developed a superhuman quality which is i care so much about this tiger's hunger that i'm willing to give it my body Jesus also, he's like, I care so much about these people that I'm willing to, you know, put my, put my, I'm willing to risk, I'm willing to die, right? Die for them, essentially. So, and you can see these, these are the cultures that I've studied, some of them. So that's the ones that I'm bringing up. Um, But that's where we hit divinity, right? We hit these qualities that are exalted. They are we aspire to this, that compassion, that the compassion that you can be in compassion, even when the most vile things are happening, right? Compassion to Trump, unconditional love, like somebody can be awful to you, but you're able to be in unconditional love, like Mother Mary, like Amma, like, you know, um, you know, Ananda Maima, St. Teresa of Avila, all of these, you know, mystical saints and people, that's where they merged enough with the divine that they're able to bring those qualities here mm-hmm. but i think if people get confused about this oh divine feminine divine feminine blah blah it's like well you have to be you have to be specific what divine feminine quality are you talking about mm-hmm. and if you go and you read a story about you know a certain a certain saint or the myth of an angel or something like that and you you can see oh my god that quality i want that quality that one that buddha had when he gave his body to the tiger or the one that jesus had you know like that he so is devoted i mean that's where we hit superhuman which is divine otherwise we're just cultivating human things which is awesome we really need to do that first (laughs) (laughs) step by step (laughs) yeah yeah exactly don't go feeding your body to a tiger yet (laughs) (laughs) so you have written a book, obviously, and I'm actually in the midst of reading it. And, you know, it's it's 
I want to talk about that book because I think starting with even just the title, Fuck Like a Goddess, um, you you talk about your choice of using the word fuck in the actual title. So I, I kind of want to talk about that first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think the word fuck is really fun. It comes from a, an old Swedish word. I'm going to read it to you, actually. I don't, verbatim, I don't have it memorized, but um, I'll just read this a little bit. So, and I, and I start my book of talking about, um, hold on one second, let me just find it. Okay. So the word fuck comes from a 14th century Dutch and Swedish word and at, it root, it mean, at its root, it means to breed. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, breeding is when two things come together and they make a third thing, right? Um, and and so the, that word has such a strength to it and it has a transformational quality to it. And my book has a lot of transformational elements to it. So... You know, let's say you're, you decide to make love to your life, you know, and you, your life reaches its hand out to you and it goes, Hey, you know, I'm going to take you through some hard times and I'm going to take you through some good times. And, um, are you willing to come with me on this journey? Um, because it's going to be hard sometimes. And then there are people that go, no life. I'm going to be over here where I can control everything. Right. They're not and then there are people that go okay life like I trust you let me let me put on my like really beautiful silky lingerie and then let's make love Mm -hmm. and you know then then what comes from that you know deep union with your life with your reality with your passion right it's like if we try to control things we're not really (laughs) not letting them penetrate us right we're not letting them come into us it's like it's like as if you were trying to walk down the street and you had a a umbrella with tons of holes you know and it's like you can try so hard to stay not wet and not to let the rain penetrate you and you know eventually you know it's leaking through because it will always find you and then eventually you're like fuck it i'm just gonna put my umbrella down and i'm gonna let the rain sink into me and you mm-hmm. feel the bliss and the ecstasy of that experience. And you think, oh, my God, I can't believe I've been trying to control it so long. And so when we, when we fuck and, and we can fuck and, and be fucked, not just in the physical intercourse way, but like that word is like two things merging together and making a third thing. It's really beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. your, your creativity, you go, creativity, come get my lap let's make a love you know um you can't go creativity i'm gonna put you in this cage and you better dance when i tell you to dance and that's kind of a liz gilbert thing props to her for that kind of concept but uh, just in terms of not making your creativity perform but you could look at all bits of your life like that where are you trying to control it where are you trying to like slave drive it right whether it's your creativity whether it's your body um and where are you really in a divine communion with it? Where are you making love to it? You know, and so the book is about that, and essentially the first part. And, and I wanted to put two words together that kind of 
or like um, antithetical, like the sacred and the profane. So fucking goddess seemed like a really fun thing to do to put in the same sentence <laughs> um, to kind of play with people's idea. Well, what does fuck mean? And what does goddess mean? What does it mean to fuck? Like goddess, like, are they doing it doggy style or what? And it's like, of course not. <laughs> Because goddesses don't have bodies and they don't walk the planet and maybe they did once or maybe but they're not walking around us. So it's a bit of a, um, you know, it's a poetic, whimsical, cheeky wink of a title in a sense, the first part. And then we go super pragmatic. But so but, you know, fucking like a goddess, if you look at it, it's like, how do I make love like a mythical how do I make love to reality, to my life, to my creativity, to my healing, to my pain, like a mythic divine being, you know, mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. almost like that Buddha story or the Christ story, though I didn't intend that with the title. But it's like, <laughs> um, and then the subheader is just super pragmatic. Heal yourself, reclaim your voice, stand in your power. So, you know, I kind of had to balance out my sort of, you know, whimsical nature, I suppose. Yeah. And what can people expect from the book? Because I know like, you know, I, I, like I've been reading it myself and there's quite a bit of like healing to do and th there's there's a lot there. So just for people who want to read it, like what can they expect? Mm. So it's not a sex manual, you know, really pay attention to heal yourself, reclaim your voice, standing in power. It's really a practical, I think, like DIY radical handbook for uh, operating outside of the status quo and the dominant paradigm and sifting through your baggage and sifting through your beliefs and sifting through the way you experience sex, your body, your voice, speaking up, being too much, being not enough, the way you experience God and redefining all of it for yourself. And not being afraid to look at shame or guilt or fear mm. and not being afraid to feel deeply and then looking, how do I love from this place? How do I make love from this place? How do I have physical intercourse from this place where I'm not ashamed and I don't want the lights off and I do want to talk about it breakfast the next day? You know, like, mm -hmm. what does that life look like where I don't get into it? A relationship where I hold my feelings back and I pretend or I don't live my life thinking oh no I don't want to be too much I'm not going to do that thing and I'm not going to wear that thing you know but like and I see that divinity exists all around me and rainbows and the stars and in, in my pee you know like so so the book is all of that it's kind of like I hope it's like a you know a bit of a putting your your belief systems into a washing machine <laughs> Love that. And there's also stories and practical rituals and little silly things and sad things. And also, you know, it's just, it's in some poems. So I think it's like, it's not like a, I wrote the book in a practical voice so that mm -hmm. people could get it. You know, like I don't always exist in that space. I prefer to be a bit more in a poetic um, kind of reality, Pisces. Mm -hmm. Um but I wrote this book in a way I'm like, I want everyone to understand this. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you've talked about like, you know, the, the concept of like shame and sex, like, you know, like only having to do it, like having sex in the dark, like in a closed room, like not really talk about it. How, like, do you have any tangible tips that like, you know, you can, 
the women can do to sort of like move past that and like break those barriers and like reclaim their sexuality. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is being unafraid to feel. And that's hard if you've experienced trauma or you come from a culture that says don't feel, you know, don't don't really look at the truth of what's going on inside of you. Um, and that that's the most daunting part is going, okay, I guess I'll feel the shame around that thing, that kink or that experience. And, or I guess I better feel the grief around that the first time that I made love, it was really awful. And I never really talked about how awful it was. And I still carry that in the back. And I like have hidden it under the couch of my heart. And so the first part is like getting real about that stuff and going, yeah, if I want to have a good sex life, like not even just good, but like magnificent. I want to show up. I got to be willing to feel the tough stuff, you know, and look at where I actually didn't feel it in real time. And therefore it creates, it becomes baggage. Um, and I'm not just going to think about it intellectually, but I have to feel it in an embodied way. And this is the, the piece that I think where we move from talk therapy into embodiment, you know, where we breathe, where we feel things in our body, where we cry, when we release stored emotion, um, where we can feel where and how patterns live within us. And then, you know, that process of, of coming to terms with, you know, the past and what's happened and the traumas, that's everybody's process is so different, you know, it can be a combination of therapy or writing or groups or whatever feels good for you. And then once you feel like you're at a, at a place where it's not going to all go away, but that you feel like, okay, like I can show up to my sexual erotic identity as a new being, like, I'm not ashamed that I love, um, you know, like a good spanking from my trustable, trusted partner, you know, I'm not going to be ashamed that these things happened, or I'm no longer going to feel grief around them, because I felt it, moved through it, and that's the part of the journey that most people don't want to do, they just want to cut to, like, how do I have the multiple orgasms, and, like, you know, um, and, and, and it's like, well, first we got to get into the body and we got to find out what's, well, what are we still carrying around? And we got to do that kind of cleanup, which is happening kind of globally, I think, or beginning to in certain ways. Um, mm -hmm. But on a practical level, it's feeling your feelings. You can write them down. You can cry them out. You can be in a group. You can do breath work You can do plant medicine. You know, um, I don't think yoga or seated quiet meditation is, is, going to be the helpful thing for this part of the process I'm discussing because I'm asking you actually to take the lid off the jar of feelings not to just kind of like breathe them quiet you know it's a very different thing so we're we're moving into actually embodying and expressing um so you can do that in so many different ways um and that it's unfortunately it's not like a you know one size fits all how to go into those places and feel them. But I do get into more details around that in my book too. But the, the long short of it is you got to come to terms with the past and you got to feel. Love that. Um, last question for you is 
if someone is in a relationship with a partner for, I don't know, like a, I guess like an extended period of time, what are some things that they can do to like, I guess like stay passionate and like have great sex? Yeah. Well, I think being really committed to being honest and embodied, staying in their body and staying in the present, because the longer we're with people, the more um, things that accumulate as to what we've each done wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then that can create resentments and it can create like sort of barriers between two people's hearts. And, you know, the thing that, that the intimacy for, in my opinion, is not about like just the body to body intimacy. It's about the heart to heart intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means two people have to be able to like look at each other in the eyes and take a few deep breaths and feel and, if two people are uncomfortable to look at each other in the eyes for three breaths while they're naked, then they're probably harboring a lot of like unspoken things or fear between them, you know? So I always feel like it's like really, you know, touching base with where's our intimacy. And this takes so much freaking work. It really does for two humans to kind of stay synced on the same page in a way, but it's beautiful also. So it's just like checking in, planning ahead, having little rituals that you do as a couple, you know, making sure that the time that you're together, you're able to find these moments of depth where you can take the words away and get into the body, you know, whether that means you guys stop talking and turn on some music and dance, wrestle, whether you sit and breathe and eye gaze looking into each other's eyes. But stop talking, get out of the head, you know, give, give each other a massage, do a bath together, um, create, create energetic and physical intimacy. That's not based on stories. And, you know, that stuff's great too. have dinner, drink wine, whatever you do, whatever makes you happy, talk for two hours, but then cut it, you know, mm-hmm. and then commit to the, the body to body, heart to heart intimacy. And taking that slow and putting time into it, you know, and if you only have five minutes and you have two minutes or something like that, like figuring out how you drop into a deep and juicy space in two minutes together. And that takes skill. You know, I have friends that are couples with three kids and I'm just like, I don't know how you guys find the two minutes out of the day to create like deep intimacy. And even if it's like, you know, him just like, grabbing her ass in the bathroom and throwing her against the wall and kissing her one kiss and that takes 30 seconds and going I fucking love you you know like Mm -hmm. not giving up on those moments and when life starts to lose that passion and that luster you don't go to sleep you go oh my god we've stopped throwing each other against the wall oh my god we stopped dancing oh my god we stopped singing oh my god we stopped and you Reevaluate. You ask your friends for help. You hire healer, coach, somebody to help you because that's the modern world we live in. Mm-hmm. And you don't let that stuff go because then we just become zombies. And we've seen that happen all around us. So, yeah, follow the thread of aliveness and don't give up on that passion. You know, love that, Alexandra. Thank mm. you so much for being here. Before we wrap, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, social handles, where they can buy your book, everything. 
so my my Instagram handles, which is where I'm most active, is at Alexandra Roxo, R-O-X-O. And um, my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, is available via the publisher Sounds True. It's on Amazon, IndieBound, and BarnesandNoble.com. If you like it, please leave a review because it feels so good and I really appreciate it. And feel free to DM me and ask me questions to share with me how it's going for you. The book itself, it's like a bit of a beautiful, radical statement. Um, it's sexy and it, it's feminine in, in many different shades. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you.